Where do you see the future of your various businesses and all of this stuff going? Where are you wanting to invest your time the most over the next year? I've got a couple different priorities. I certainly want to grow my businesses, but my, my highest priority has always been like, I want to give my people a place to work always because I love working with them. And so that has been a worry and people have asked me and commented about this, like, oh, you know, you're launching all these businesses. Are you going to phase out your agency? And I don't ever plan to, not unless I have a place for all my team to land, whether that's, you know, having them full-time on my my other products or things. In the short term, we are trying to grow SEMflow, which is our SaaS. We're trying to grow that as quickly as possible. And I would love to see that get acquired. But either way, I don't want to ever get more busy. I don't ever want to have to spend more time away from my kids or my family. I couldn't ask for a whole lot more right now. And I have to constantly remind myself that because, you know, I wake up every morning. I'm like, oh, I just want to take over the world today. And I want to be putting out content and reaching millions and doing all this stuff. And then I have to remind myself that's not really what I want. What I really want is what I've got right now. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome back to Designing Growth. My name is Sam Schlebowski, host of this podcast and one of three co-founders at Motion.io. Today on the podcast, I am very excited to have Peyton Smith with us. Peyton is a web designer, an entrepreneur, and a founder of three different six-figure businesses. Peyton runs an agency, Pate Digital, an education platform, which is Pate Pro, and an SEO course, which talks all about SEO and web flow. But in addition to that, and what you were actually just talking to me a little before we hit the record button here, is that you also just released a SaaS product that helps web developers with SEO, and it integrates directly in web flow. My first question is just a quick, you know, how are you doing today? And then I do want to get right into talking about this SaaS product that you've released, because that sounds really cool. And I would love to learn more about this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. It's always fun just to come in and talk to somebody that knows about my life, right? Kind of what we do is uh, it's unique and it's fun. And yeah, like you said, you know, we just launched this SaaS here. It's been a couple months now, but that's one thing that I love about my job as a web designer is you pretty much have the skills and experience to chase any opportunity or idea, right? Because we spend so much of our time building our clients' businesses. You know, I started as a web designer and then I decided I need to learn SEO. And then along the way you learn copywriting and you learn how to communicate with people. And then all of a sudden I, I reached a point where I was like, hey, I want to I want to maybe build a product of my own so I can use my expertise and experience and also my team to build this up. And so that's kind of how this SaaS product started. We are a Webflow exclusive agency and we do a lot of SEO. And so I felt like that was the perfect product for us to build. It didn't exist in the Webflow world. There was no sort of Yoast type plugin for Webflow. And so we built it out. And it's been a whirlwind of, you know, making every mistake in the book just because I have no experience in the SaaS world, but also it's just been so exciting to have a product of my own. It's so fun. And we, uh, yeah, we've grown to, I think we've had over a thousand downloads now. We've got, wow. you know, awesome feedback from people. We're constantly reiterating and trying to improve this thing, but it's been my favorite thing that I've ever built by far. That is amazing. And you actually touched on part of what I was going to 
task with what Yoast is to WordPress. Is this like the sort of Yoast, for lack of better words, for Webflow? And I love that you found a need within something that you were doing, but also something that your customers needed and went for it. I mean, that is like product development 101. You find that hair on fire problem and you go and solve it. It sounds like you all have you know reached an enormous amount of success with this product already. With the product, is it a plugin? Is it a download? Are you currently charging for it? How, how does that all working? We are. Yep. So it is a Google Chrome extension. Currently, that is the only way to have the sort of software that works inside of Webflow. And mm -hmm. so you download it on the Google Chrome store. It is a subscription. It's $15 a month. Um, it has a free trial. But yeah, once you download that Chrome plugin, it integrates and shows up right inside the Webflow designer. So you can't tell that it's not native. It matches Webflow's brand and style, and it's really slick. Yeah, we've got a lot of people that were early adopters and just selected to go with an annual plan. And that is so cool to have people that support this type of adventure that I've been on because I just don't know what I'm doing, right? And, and, you know, you get these early adopters that are willing to try the product, give you feedback. They're patient when things don't work. But over the past couple months, we've really kind of got it dialed in and it has grown like a wildfire. And I think it's for that very reason that you said it. We didn't go into this thinking, how can we make a product that makes us money? But it was just a solution that every day I wished I had. And so I almost had this mentality of even if nobody else uses this, I'm going to love it. And that was enough for me to pursue it. I think that that approach has really paid off. That story, I think you've heard it so many times before when it comes to software development, where people build tools because it's things that they wanted a solution to, even for their own business, if nothing else. And immediately there's people there that find value in it and are willing to become early adopters, put up with maybe not having 100% of the features, the occasional bug, but because the core of the product is providing so much value, you can improve on it, you iterate it over time and you make it into this perfect tool for this subset of people. One question I wanted to ask you, and I think that there's probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast that are interested in software development. They're interested in building things. There's so many different options now between all of the no-code options and all the different ways to build software these days. How did you go about the process of starting to build this? Did you hire developers? Did you use a certain platform to build it yourself. What did that process look like when you said, hey, we're ready to build this? Yeah, that's really where my experience as a web designer really came into play as I had met so many awesome, talented people. And so the way that I found my developer, because certainly like I'm not smart enough to have developed this tool on my own. You know, I just threw a message out in my team Slack channel and said, does anybody know a good developer? and we connected. It was an interesting project early on because there's really no documentation about how to build this type of tool that integrates with Webflow. It wasn't all cut and paste like a lot of development projects are. And so I had this very rough design of what I wanted it to look like, but we were all learning together. Certainly a large time investment, definitely a large financial investment, but in kind of the grand scheme of things, looking at this tool where it's at, I'm like, man, it only took maybe six months to build. The financial investment might have seemed like a lot up front, but within the first two months, we made our money back. And then it's really just pure cash flow that we can throw right back into the tool to improve it. And so it really has been like the ideal process, pretty quick to market, pretty quick to become profitable and then cash flow to reinvest and improve it, that cycle is just, I mean, like it just compounds and, and it's like a snowball. The more users you get, 
the more funds you have and feedback you have to improve it. And it's just faster and faster. It's amazing. How long has it been publicly available? So I think we launched our beta in like very end of November, early December. And quite frankly, we didn't really do any marketing. I put out a YouTube video that just said, hey, like here's a little tool that we built, check it out. And it's pretty much been word of mouth. We've got a few affiliates, but that really proved a market fit there that it just grew on its own. And only in these past couple of weeks have we started truly advertising, pumping out content, working closely with our affiliates. And so the growth really accelerate even over the last two weeks which has been really exciting to see. So how big is the team on that? Is it still just you and the one developer or have you brought on other people to assist in you know, aspects of the product, marketing, customer success? What's that look like currently? I think because this thing is so bootstrapped, I've just kind of used what I had available. So it's the developer and myself. And before this, I was very much out of design, right? I was more in like a managerial, like higher level type stuff. But I've really loved designing this. So I've designed the entire thing on my own. And then we have that SEO manager that introduced me to my developer. He's super talented. And so he has kind of been a go-between just to give feedback, testing. He's brought a ton of value to that. And then I've got my project manager. I mean, I call him a project manager. He's kind of just my right hand and he has kind of just filled in where needed. He's fielded support requests. He's given feedback. He's tested the products. Um, and so that's kind of our immediate team. And then I have kind of my secondary team where I've got a gal who manages all of our affiliates now, and she is an awesome communicator. And so we're starting to bring in more kind of part-time roles like that to make sure that we're growing, but not overreaching or overstepping in terms of like how big our team needs to be, because these types of SaaS products, that's what's so great about them is you can have a super lean, tiny team and still make a huge impact. I mean, I love it and I love bootstrapping something, keeping it nice and lean. Our team right now is just me and my two co-founders. Then we have one other developer that works with us. And honestly, it'll probably stay that way for a little bit longer until we're really ready to kind of turn on the gas. And it seems like you are just right about at that stage where you are kind of scaling things up. And that's exciting. I also think too, like your methodology behind product development and bootstrapping this and keeping it super lean is a lot of what I share. One thing that stood out to me and one thing I actually just wanted to pick your brain about, even if it's just for like my own personal insights, your affiliate program, how did you shape that? And what does that look like? Like what's working well with your affiliate program? Where do you see the value there? Yeah, so I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge behind what makes a great affiliate program. And the one thing that I wanted to do is make sure that it was extremely generous. I guess the two most important things is that they like and believe in the product. That makes it much easier to promote. And then that you've got generous commissions, right? If, if somebody's getting five bucks, 10 bucks, one-time commission, nobody's gonna wanna push that. And so we set up a recurring lifetime commission. And we just did this all through a software, I think it's called Rewardful that works yep. with Stripe. And so, yeah, I just threw it out there and didn't promote it, didn't ask anyone to be an affiliate. Really, I just had that page on our side and people quickly started signing up. We didn't do any follow-up with our affiliates until just recently when I got somebody to fill that role of, hey, you know, you're a new affiliate. Here's a content package of things you can post. We'll help you with YouTube scripts, like different things like 
like that to encourage them to take action once they become an affiliate. And actually, it's funny that you asked that because just this morning, I came across a Google ad promoting SEMflow from one of our affiliates. And I'm like, cool, people are even running paid promotions to push this thing. And all comes back to generous commissions and helping people feel like they're in a way kind of a co-owner in this, that they benefit as much as we do. There were two things in particular that you shared there. I think in some ways seem obvious, like, oh, of course this would work for an affiliate program, but really is not in a lot of ways. The first thing you mentioned, the generosity, I think that that is a big piece that so many affiliate programs miss out on. A lot of affiliate programs where it's like, oh, refer X number of people and get a t-shirt, get a sweatshirt. What people really want at the end of the day is a commission for taking that time out of their day to produce that content to send someone your way, especially to a tool that they believe in. But, you know, they do want monetary value. If you're not doing that and you're kind of tentative to do that, it's not going to work. I think that people are sometimes afraid of like, oh, well, if I'm giving commissions for this product, especially something as generous as a lifetime commission, it cuts into the value and I can never get a positive return on that. But to me, it's all about your lifetime value of that customer that they refer. And as long as you've done the math, here's how much I profit minus the cost of paying out this commission. If that math works, you can really provide a win-win for everybody. The second piece was providing all of that information to the affiliate. That's something I've never done that I think is a phenomenal idea. I think you said like, here's how you can create YouTube scripts. Here's sets you can use to promote the product. I love that. The easier that you can make it for somebody to take that time out of their day and create these things, happier everybody's going to be. Absolutely. You know, you hit it right on the head where it's just that win-win scenario. And if you can create that, then everybody feels good. And I actually learned this lesson here recently. I reached out to somebody that has a course that fits perfectly in my content. And it's not a course that I ever planned on making. And so I reached out and said, I'd love to be an affiliate. I'd love to promote this. Like I, I took the course. It's great. And this person responded and said, yeah, you know, we can give you a 10% one-time commission. And I just was kind of put off by that. But what I didn't realize is the way that this course and business was run, their margins were so slim, they couldn't afford to give any more than 10%. And so first off, like I shouldn't have been so, I guess, surprised or put off by that. But I very quickly learned that like, hey, I want to build a business that the margins are a lot larger. And then if I have kind of this mentality of abundance where rather than trying to pocket every dime that this generates, putting everything back into my affiliates, back into improving the tool, then you're more focused on the growth of the product and the community around it rather than just your own cash flow. And, you know, I, I think being generous with your affiliates, it makes it a no brainer. And then after they sign up, you deliver them this huge package of, hey, just copy and paste this and post it on Instagram. You don't even have to do the work. It's like, who wouldn't want to be part of this? And that seems to be working so far pretty good for us. If the dollars make sense, the cents make dollars. I love it. One of the things I wanted to do here too, is just like run it back a little bit and talk about how you got here in the first place. So I know that you have these three businesses and then you've just released the SaaS product. You have your YouTube channel. Was the foundation all of that your agency? It was, yep. When I started out, I was a college student that hated school and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I had a summer sales job and I just wasn't getting any traction in school. And, and I finally kind of gave into the fact that I've always been creative and like designing, started designing logos, then websites and started bringing on a couple of clients, which were mostly just like friends and family, which is how a lot of us start. And 
I got married towards the end of college, and luckily my wife kind of helped drag me through the finish line of graduating college. But by that point, I had a few clients, and I thought I was hot stuff because I was making money on my own. And I just said, I don't want to go get a normal job. I just want to dive right into this. And so we lived poor for at least the first year two years of marriage, but it just started to gain traction. You know, I was spending most of the money that I made aside from what we needed to survive on courses and education and mentors. And I was reading every book that I could get my hands on. And I was watching every YouTube video I could. And all of that led to, hey, like charge more for your websites and start learning and charging for SEO. And all of a sudden I was overwhelmed with the work. And so I hired people. I started hiring a designer and I hired my SEO manager who already had an SEO team trained up and it just moved so fast. While at the time it felt like, man, like I am just hustling every day and nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, you know, six months, 12 months later, I've got a team around me. And from there, man, it's like once you get that team to cover a lot of the busy work and the work that burns through your creative energy, I was able to take a step back and say, I want to start creating YouTube content. And then people started asking me how I did what I do. And so I started taking consulting calls, which gave me the content to create a course. And it all just kind of presented itself to me as the timing was right. And that's exactly what happened with the SaaS product as well. It felt like they just built on top of each other. And, and one thing that we don't have to get into too deep, but this was kind of a defining moment in my life that really helped me decide where I want to spend my time and my effort was... At the end of 2021, I was diagnosed with cancer, Hodgkin lymphoma. And so very quickly, I found myself in the middle of chemotherapy and I was just deathly sick and I couldn't work for six months. And so I had to rely on my team members and my systems and I couldn't create content. And I spent six months with whatever energy I had, just like thinking, what am I going to do when I'm back on my feet? And about seven months later, I finished chemo, took me a few more months to kind of get my energy back. And then I just hit it as hard as I could. We launched our SaaS. I launched my membership and I did all of that while trying to only work about half a day so I could spend more time with my family. And that was just like the critical turning point where I feel like I found the perfect balance to get everything done that I wanted and also just enjoy life and not work myself to death like I was before that time. Man, first of all, I want to say congratulations Thanks. to go through all of that and come out on the other side. It's just hearing that brings me to tears, man. And I imagine like this had to be terrifying in the middle of a pandemic to also have cancer I mean, also be worried about your business and thinking about your business, but to come out of that on the other side with this amazing mindset that is basically like, okay, I do want to grow. I do want to work, but how do I do these things in a way that doesn't burn me out and allows me to spend more time with the people that I love the most? That mindset is like, it's amazing. It's amazing to hear, man. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think anybody could say this about our trials, right? Like if you let them, they make you better. And I'm certainly grateful for the things that I learned, especially that balance of life, right? Work's always going to be there. Money's always going to be there. You can chase those things every day of your life, but you know, I've got two little boys and they're never going to be this age again. And I think I felt so robbed during that time of chemo that I just didn't feel good enough to spend good time with them. So when I got back, I just told myself, like, I'm never going to say no, right? Like I'm never going to say no to what they want to do. And so it doesn't matter if I've got a huge launch day or I've got, you know, important calls or whatever. It's like yesterday we went bowling in the middle of the day and, you know, they're always knocking on my door wanting to do a lightsaber battle or whatever it is they want to do. I'm like, 
yeah, like I can only do this today, but I can work when you are out of the house and in college. That's always going to be there. And so that mentality has definitely just made work more enjoyable because I do what I can knowing that that's really not as important as we all make it out to be. It's especially really great advice for me in particular hearing this because how old are your boys? Oliver just turned five and Atticus is two. Very cool. We just had our first child in January. Awesome. So it's like hearing some of these things and when I'm kind of in the middle of it right now, launching this company, this SaaS product, it's a really great reminder for me and a really powerful reminder for me in a lot of ways to spend the time and that work is always going to be there. You can always work longer. You can always work later. It's never going to end. But you know, what will end is the time that you have with your family when they're in the house and your kids are growing up. So Thank you. Yeah, man, no problem. It's a pretty cool life that we get to live that we can work on our computers and be around. And so we might as well take advantage of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I wanted to circle back around on and talk about, because you had mentioned, you know, as part of this story, when you were in the hospital recovering, you had to really lean on your team. And I wanted to ask you, because I think this is something that a lot of other business owners struggle with. How did you go about developing those processes, developing those systems that allowed your team to operate autonomously without you and be able to keep the trains running on time, even if you weren't there? That's an awesome question. I would say that that has been a weak point in my growth and my leadership. And I have been extremely lucky to have awesome people on my team. I think first and foremost, I would say that it's not due to anything that I did. With that being said, trusting in people and kind of giving them the framework to succeed, but then also letting them go and fail and putting them in situations where, hey, like you've got to meet with this client because I'm, yeah, I'm in the hospital today. And people step up. People step up when you give them those opportunities and when you trust them. I think also, again, kind of going back to trying to be generous in the way that you pay people. There mm-hmm. have been times where that's burnt me, but generally speaking, that is always paid off. Like don't cheap out on people. If anything, you should overpay people and try to to motivate them to work up to that level. Those things just, they seem to work out in your favor, right? Because people are more motivated. They want to do more for you. And like I said, I've been really fortunate to have awesome people that I hired kind of first try and they just worked out. And I know that doesn't always happen, but also I think so much of the quality of your people kind of falls back on you. And it's a reflection of you in a lot of ways. And I think I've learned a lot along the way, but man, you've got to get people around you because you can't do it all on your own. One of your points there that if you're generous, people will be generous in return. That's something I totally subscribe to. If you are generous with your employees, you're paying them well. They feel like you are really helping them and they in return are going to really have your back. They're going to be the ones that when something comes up, not saying that you need to make people work all hours of the night and stuff like that, but when something does come up, they're going to be the one willing to step up and get it done for you if you're not able to. And they're the ones who stop thinking like employees and start thinking like owners where they are saying to themselves, how can we make this better? How can we improve this product? How can we make our customers happier? And those types of people, when you can surround yourself with them, are just invaluable, in my opinion. Absolutely, man. People are more talented than we give them credit for. 
And I think that's one of my weaknesses, especially early on. I thought, I can't trust them to do this. Like, I've just got to do it myself. And most of the time, when you step back and let them do it, they'll surprise you and do it better than even you could. And you just got to give them that chance. So with all of this, where do you see the future of your various businesses and all of this stuff going? Where are you wanting to invest your time the most over the next year? I've got a couple different priorities. I, I certainly want to grow my businesses that could be classified more as an asset, right? My SaaS company courses, things like that, that maybe aren't so reliant on people because those are typically the things that are more properly set up for an exit. But my highest priority has always been like, I want to give my people a place to work always because I love working with them. And so that has been a worry and people have asked me and commented about this, like, oh, you know, you're launching all these businesses. Are you going to phase out your agency? And I don't ever plan to, not unless I have a place for all my team to land, whether that's, you know, having them full-time on my, my other products or things. And so I think I'll try to maintain that balance. In the short term, we are trying to grow SEMflow, which is our SaaS. We're trying to grow that as quickly as possible. And I would love to see that get acquired. I don't know if that's in the cards, but either way, I don't want to ever get more busy. I don't ever want to have to spend more time away from my kids or my family. I couldn't ask for a whole lot more right now. And I have to constantly remind myself that because, you know, I wake up every morning. I'm like, oh, I just want to take over the world today. And I want to be putting out content and reaching millions and doing all this stuff. And then I have to remind myself, that's not really what I want. What I really want is what I've got right now. And I'll try to keep reminding myself that as much as possible, because we talked about before, like the most important phases of life are right now. And so I don't really care where these businesses go as long as I feel good about my efforts in them. Amazing. So Peyton, thank you so much for your time. This has been an awesome chat and quite honestly, incredibly inspiring and insightful for me personally. So thank you again for your time. Want to wrap it up here with two final questions. One business one, one fun one. First question, if people want to learn more about you and the work that you are doing, where should they go? The best place to find me is on YouTube at Peyton Clark Smith. That's where I'm the most active. I also have been trying to be a, a little bit better on Instagram and my handle is the same, Peyton Clark Smith. Also trying to be better about responding to individual messages, DMs, emails, because I had a lot of great people that uh, were willing to do that for me early on. So yeah, hope that y'all can find me and I can bring some value. Amazing. And we will put links to all of those things in the show notes of this episode. And now for the fun one, what are some of your favorite all-time movies and TV shows? Ooh, that is a great question. My wife wife and I, we, we love to watch a lot of TV, but our favorite TV show would definitely have to be How I Met Your Mother. That is an all-time favorite of ours. And then movies, man, uh, recent movies. I loved Top Gun Maverick. That is an awesome movie. I would say all-time favorite would have to be The Dark Knight. Those Batman movies are as good as they get. The Dark Knight, when those movies came out, I think I must have been probably in high school, maybe. But I love those movies, man. If Christopher Nolan ever decided that he wanted to come back and direct another Batman movie or really any Superman movie, I would be all over it. 
Oh, yeah, dude. Those were so good. And those are ones that I could watch over and over again and never get sick of them. And the newest one, yeah, I thought it was good, but it didn't really encapsulate that like same energy mm -hmm. as I'll call it the original trilogy now. We're talking about it like it's Star Wars or Fine <laughs> Wine. But uh, yeah, I don't ever see myself liking a, a superhero movie or definitely not a Batman movie more than those. So, hey, you got somebody on your side here, too, because I fully agree. Awesome. Well, man, yeah, thanks again for having me. This has been fun to chat. I'd love to be on another time. Fantastic. Yeah, we will definitely have you on again in the future and get an update about all of the things that you're doing and how things are going. So thank you so much, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode of Designing Growth, we would love it if you went ahead on Apple or Spotify and left us a five-star review. Until next time, everybody, my name is Sam Jalbowski, host of Designing Growth. Have fun, good luck, and go crush it.